0: It was a wild doubleheader weekend in Detroit with two dramatic races, one on Saturday and another one on Sunday in the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. The weekend also had its share of controversy as Saturday's race was stopped twice for the red flag. The first came after Felix Rosenquist's massive crash in Turn 6 that left the 29-year-old driver from Sweden hospitalized overnight. It appeared a stuck throttle or brake failure was the cause of Rosenquist's number 6 Aero McLaren SP Chevrolet hitting the tire barrier and the fence at high speed. The sudden impact created rapid deceleration inside of the cockpit. It also severely damaged the fence and concrete barrier on lap 27 for one hour and 18 minutes. The AMR safety team was diligent and methodical when they extracted the conscious 29-year-old driver from Sweden from the cockpit. Rosenquist was put in a neck brace to stabilize his neck and placed in the ambulance on a backboard. Medical evaluation at DMC Detroit Receiving Hospital revealed no life or limb-threatening injuries, and the driver was released on Sunday morning. Oliver Askew, who drove for the team in 2020, replaced Rosenquist in Sunday's second race. The second red flag, however, left Team Penske's willpower seeing red when the race was stopped, with five laps to go for a minor crash. Power had fought his way to the lead and appeared to be in prime position to score his first victory of the season. But the high heat on the track and the car caused an electronic control unit to fail, and the engine would not restart. Power was furious in IndyCar race control after leading 37 laps of the 70-lap race, only to finish 20th three laps down. Power was quoted as saying after the race, I'm mad at IndyCar because I'm the first car in, and they wait for the last car to come in before getting a fan on the car, and it roasted the ECU. Throwing the red flag for starters, the guys up there in race control never listen to any drivers. They never listen. They don't care. We have given them so many suggestions and they don't care. I worked my ass off today to have this happen. I screamed on the radio to get a fan because the ECU overheats. You work your ass off in this sport, so much money goes into it and dumb decisions like that. It's not a yellow they throw, it's some stupid idea like this with a red flag, end of quote from Will Power. Power Chevy engine refired after the ECU was replaced, but he was three laps down to Marcus Ericsson of Sweden, who scored his first career NTT IndyCar Series victory in the number eight Husky chocolate Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Erickson became the fourth first-time NTT IndyCar Series winner this season. It was his first win in eight years for the Formula One driver with 91 F1 starts in his career. Here's my interview with Erickson after he scored his first career IndyCar Series win on Saturday. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the race winner of the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. It's Marcus Erickson, Chip Ganassi Racing. How does it feel to be called an IndyCar Series race winner? That sounds amazing. I, I You know, it's
1: something I've been working extremely hard for, and um, it's been tough. But, you know, we knew we could do it. I knew I could do it, and uh, today we proved it, so just feels amazing.
0: You are the fourth first-time winner of the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series season. What do you see as being the reason why there's been so many first-time winners this year? Obviously, it's a deep pool of talent that's in the field. I
1: think IndyCar at the moment is 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 just one if not I think I think it's the toughest championship in the world and and you know there are so many good drivers in this field. I said in another interview, I think it's 18 or 20 drivers that can win on their day in this series and I think that's why it's so many first time winners and and different winners because when you get everything right, you can win a race. But if you get something wrong, miss a little bit, it could be P10 or P20. So it's such a tough series at the moment and I think that's why it's so many different winners.
0: Two years ago, you had your best finish that came on the streets of Detroit with a second-place finish in the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. What is it about this course that seems to fit your racing style so well?
1: I liked it from the get-go when I got here in 2019. It's a a track where you obviously need a good car, but then it's a lot about getting into the rhythm, getting the most out of the driving, you know? You need to be confident and, and throw the car around on all the bumps and different surfaces, so... I think that challenge from a driver perspective is, is something I always liked. I liked the sort of drivers' tracks uh, in all my career, and this is definitely a drivers' track, so uh, just suits me, I guess. And yeah, I, I was really confident going here after what happened two years ago, and today shows that.
0: The final restart, four laps to go, you nailed it perfectly. Was that the best restart of your career? Yeah, definitely. I, I knew, you know, Taco was behind, so I knew
1: if I was going to miss, if I missed a little bit on that restart, he was going to go for for the move, for the win. So I knew I had to do a perfect restart, and but I also felt confident that I would do it. So I really focused and just went, so, went sort of into myself and just focused and, and
0: did it. And like you said, just Made it perfect. And wrapping up here with the winner of the Saturday race at Belle Isle. You're on pit lane, red flag. They tell you to refire the engines. The leader, you're right behind the leader Will Power. They start working frantically on his car. When IndyCar gave you the command to pull off pit lane, what went through your mind when you saw Powers' car still sitting there, unable to start? What went through my mind was, this is my day, and I'm going to make it my day. Yeah, I know it's been a long time coming, eight years since your last victory back at GP2, but from all of us here on Pit Pass Indy, congratulations on scoring your first career NTT IndyCar Series victory. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. The next day was dramatic, but for a different reason. Team Penske star Joseph Newgarden started on the pole and led the first 67 laps of the contest. But a late-race restart on used Firestone Reds saw Newgarden's car lose traction when he needed it the most as hard-charging 22-year-old Pato Award from Monterey, Mexico charged his way to the top after the final restart with seven laps to go. Award passed two cars in two corners to make it up to third, he then passed Colton Herta for second place, three laps from the finish, then made a brilliant race winning pass over New Garden Chevrolet with just over three laps to go. O'Ward Ward was able to keep his Chevrolet ahead of the field over the final laps to become the first two-time winner this season in the NTT IndyCar Series. He won Sunday's Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle, race number two, after he made up 15 positions from where he started and had 12 on-track passes for position. That tied him with Japan's Takuma Sato for the most in the race. Awards number five Chevrolet defeated pole winner New Gardens number two Chevrolet by six point seven five nine five seconds for the second win of his IndyCar Series career. I caught up with the Award after his big victory. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the winner of the Sunday race of the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. It's Pato Award of Errol McLaren SP Racing. Pato, it was a heck of a restart that you've got. You passed two cars going in two corners, ended up passing four cars to take the lead, go on to win your second victory of your NTT IndyCar Series career. For a car that you said is such a beast to drive, how did you have so much confidence putting it where you wanted to at the end of the race?
2: Um, yeah, these, I mean, this Aaron McLaren SP group has given me a great car. Um, you know, team Chevy gave us the power and we got it done. Um, I don't really know what is, I mean, the, the trick is just don't lose it, uh, and go as fast as you can. That's just what you have to do and restart, especially in these street courses, it gets really, really hairy. Uh, but I know that I've been very strong in, in cold tires. So, um, I took advantage of it, and we
0: got it done. You started 16th, and it's a track that's supposed to be very difficult to pass at. So how do you make up 16 positions in the race and go on and win the race?
2: Yeah, uh, good question. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the guys gave me uh, a few positions in the pit stop, so that made my my work on track easier. And then whenever the caution came out, that was up to me to, to make my way forward and just pass wherever I could, and, and I, I truly feel like we, we we raced everyone really hard,
0: but we were very clean about it, and that's what makes this win very sweet. You got your first career victory back in May at Texas on the Oval. Now you get your second career victory on the streets here at Belle Isle. It's always been said that for the NTT IndyCar Series champion, he's got to win on all the different types of tracks. You've now knocked two of them off the list. Do you feel like this could be a championship season for you?
2: Uh, that's definitely the goal. I'm not going into it with any other mentality. I I'm uh, I, I have so much faith in this group that we can that we can do great things. We just we need to keep pushing. Um, there's still a lot to go. Uh, we need to be consistent. Uh, consistently in the top five, in the top three, consi- consistently getting more points than our than our competitors that we're fighting, and hopefully we'll have a shot at it in Long Beach.
0: You only led three laps in a 70-lap race. It was the most important three laps in the race, the final three. Could you describe your battle that you had with the leader, Joseph Newgarden, who led the other 67 laps in the race?
2: It was very intense. He was was refusing to leave the clean line, so I kind of got a little bit on the marbles. Um, But, uh, I mean, I knew he was on the red tires, and as soon as he saw him get wiggly out of six, I put on my push-to-pass. And I said, this is going to be my shot to
0: get it. And uh, we got it done. 22-year-old Pat Award of Mexico. He's not only a star of the future, he's a star of the present. Congratulations on your victory in the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Penske Corporation President Bud Dinker is also the track promoter of the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. This past weekend's race had its share of unexpected issues, including rebuilding the fence and wall after Felix Rosenquist's big crash on Saturday that stopped the race for one hour and 18 minutes. But it was also a victory in many ways as the weekend doubleheader was allowed to have 100% capacity with spectators. It was also the first IndyCar Series race this season where masks were not required in the paddock. Here's my interview with Danker following the weekend doubleheader. He's back on Pit Pass Indy. It's Penske Corporation president, Bud Danker, who also is the promoter of the very popular Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. But it was another hectic weekend, another weekend with some unexpected challenges. But once again, we made it through a doubleheader unscathed. From your standpoint of being the race promoter, how would you evaluate the weekend doubleheader at Belle
3: Isle? Well, we we had to get to this point. has not been easy. A rather uh, circuitous route when we had uh, no fans, the... Uh, expectation in March, we were told that, to having 10% fans in April, to having something like uh, 50% capacity in our chalets, because they were considered outdoor restaurants, to now having the ability, just two weeks ago, to say, we can have as many fans as we want. And of course we couldn't because we couldn't order the infrastructure. So a lot of twists and turns along the way, but I gotta tell you, the people that were here, the smiles on their faces, the thank yous I received, it just shows you when you lose something, and you get it back, you appreciate it that much more. And that's what I felt today in Belle Isle and all weekend long.
0: In a way, it also sounds like you just described the crowd at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway two weeks ago when the enthusiastic throng returned there, they had 135,000 fans of what could have been 250 or more. Um, So in a lot of ways, it's like you said, when people lose something how much they appreciate it when it's back it looked to me like all of your grandstands that were available were pretty much full of spectators
3: yeah they we had a good uh, good turnout the the uh, the issue was there was so many uh, there's so much confusion relative to are we going to have fans not have fans yes we have fans and communicating to the fans i'm sure they were confused so yes we had uh, where we had our grandstands they were very full and but the the real uh other piece of it was general admission we didn't have any grandstands for general admission because we couldn't order them in times so we built these platforms that everywhere and we also allowed for the first time people to bring their lawn chairs and that was cool they were on the lawn they were on the uh, scott fountain they were all around the area with their lawn chairs having a party and um just the enthusiasm of course the weather was spectacular belal is also known for its rain every once in a while never had a drop so um i would say and then of course the on-track product was amazing as well that we can talk about
0: two thrilling and unexpected finishes first the saturday race when the leader will power couldn't get his car started because of an ecu failure because of the heat after a red flag unexpected winner there and then you come into sunday's race with it looks like joseph newgarden is going to start you know lead every lap from the pole and win the race instead three laps to go here comes pato award takes away the victory so from a if you take yourself away from the Team Penske side and look at it as a race promoter, you got to feel like the fans really got their money's worth.
3: Well, and I also look at it from an IndyCar uh, series owner, right? I mean, we, yes, we, Team Penske is, uh, is, is involved in all of that, but um, we're in the series of racing as well. And, uh, you know, w- when I say that I'm looking for only a competitive and safe race, yes, we are, but today's racing with Joseph and, and Colton and Pato, was unbelievable, those last 10 laps. The fans here were, you could hear them screaming every time they came close to each other. That was so much enthusiasm What I haven't seen in so long here in Detroit. We saw it, we felt it, and uh, just great racing. So for the fans that were watching on TV and for the fans here, amazing opportunity to enjoy some competitive racing. And, And by the way, Saturday we had 222 passes compared to 2019, 142 and 120. Amazing numbers.
0: Now, from the challenging standpoint, Felix uh, Rosenquist had a crash that caused damage to the fence into the concrete barrier, which caused the race to be red flagged for I believe an hour and 18 minutes. You were out there playing construction engineer, helping those guys, which goes to show that when you work for Roger Penske, you're not above any job whatsoever. You're, You're there to do the work. And what was it like to get that completed as quickly as you did?
3: Well, I've got an amazing team here. It wasn't it wasn't me. It was my team. All I'm, all I'm there to do is chip in. We can't. We don't usually stand around with our hands in our pockets. Um, we want to get, dig in and get things done. And also, I think that shows you the you know leadership that Roger has shown to our corporation. Hopefully, leadership I showed to the corporation as well. So, to have a, a, a wall destroyed um, in the areas that we've not seen before, to have a a barrier wall thrown out. Uh, and the fence, and the tires, and everything else. He went through nine tires to get there, nine rows of tires to get where he was. It shows you the safety of the cockpit of his car. It shows you the safety we had put into our design of our racetrack. Tires to go through that gave energy, a wall that moved that gave energy, a fence that moved to gave energy. I understand his, uh, his attenuator at the, at the front of his car moved 13 inches back. So everything did as it should have been, and thank goodness we have a driver that was out of the hospital today.
0: And in our final question with Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle, race promoter, and Penske Corporation president Bud Danker, the other thing about the Saturday race, you had a new winner in Marcus Erickson. Whenever you see a driver win his first NTT IndyCar Series race, it's kind of a special moment because you see just how emotional they are to get that victory.
3: Yeah, it's so hard to win here. This field is so tight. You talked to – I was talking to uh, Roman Grosjean. He said, Bud – nothing like it he's seen in the world when he's racing in Formula 1 to here you can't make a mistake you can't make a mistake in qualifying you can't sneeze you can't blink it's that tight with this group these young drivers are amazing right now yesterday we think we had what our 7th straight uh, different driver as well as of a different country that's crazy and today we saw Pato have a return victory almost had Joseph win today which would have been your 8th in different country right so it just shows you the the, uh, the amazing characters we have in this sport the great athletes we have in this sport Detroit showed itself again to being at the tough track that it is. Did it twice under extenuating circumstances, but I'm so proud. Thank you, General Motors and Chevrolet for your help, Lear and all our partners. And our by the way, our volunteers once again. Over 500 volunteers, the best in the industry.
0: He's a man in high demand. Penske Corporation President Bud Danker. congratulations on an outstanding Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. <laughs> Team Penske's Will Power was a major player in Saturday's race as he looked like a sure winner before a second red flag stopped the contest. As stated earlier in the podcast, the ECU empowers Chevrolet field when the field was restarted and he returned to the track three laps down. I interviewed Power entering the race weekend where he discusses a variety of topics regarding the season, his bad luck, and what it'll take to get back into the championship race as the series heads to Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, for this weekend's Rev Group Grand Prix. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is... The driver the number 12 Verizon Chevrolet for Team Penske. It's Will Power, former series champion, former Indianapolis 500 winner. But you need a little bit of a jump start in 2021 to get back into the championship race. We've talked about it before, but what's been one of the biggest reasons why things just haven't really gone very well yet?
4: <laughs> I know, Bruce. It really is amazing that I'm standing here talking again for another year where the start of the season has gone. Uh, not to plan, but uh, yeah, there's not, uh, nothing I can do about it. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm looking forward to getting things back on track. Um, I think, you know, May was very disappointing. We're having a very close look into that. I'm trying to understand what happened there, but uh, uh, I've got some pretty good tracks coming up for me. And I think, um, I
0: think think, we need to. We can get a win here soon. Do you think we're also seeing the flip side of what happens with a double points race, in that if you have a problem, you get double the penalty, because the points chart is just so much different than it would be in a normal race that it, it's going to take you a while to overcome that the double points from Indy.
4: The double points a big hit. I've never been a fan of it. You know, I don't think uh, double the prize money, not the points, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> but um, massive hit. It's such, a, it's, it's a year of consistency because, as you've seen, it's just a different winner every week, different pole sitter. You can never tell who's going to be where, and uh, great for the fans, and I want to be in that mix.
0: Is this year's month of May in Indianapolis one that you would just like to erase from... The willpower of memory, or is it something that you can put to use for you down
4: the road? Certainly learn a lot from a difficult month like that. Certainly learn a lot. Um, and, you know, it gives you an appreciation of what that place is. You know, never a given that you're going to turn up there and be fast. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, can throw anything at you. I have to say, we had a great car in the race. We had a chance of being in that top five at the end there, but. You know, it's just uh, one of those things, you know, another year will come back next year, I guess, really, really determined.
0: The good news for you, though, is you were able to reach a contract extension with the team before the start of the season. So how advantageous has that been? Because now you've got time to maybe sit there and analyze and say, we need to fix this, this and that. I need to do better at this. And it wouldn't be as if, were being under review for a new contract at the end of the year Uh, yeah
4: it's um, it's it is a big relief because you can imagine the situation you're in right now considering the last few races uh, when you're having to you know you're in in a contract year so it certainly takes that pressure off but I don't need I put a lot of pressure on myself I'm really really uh, really determined to win no matter what. So um, the disappointment is still as bad, maybe with a little less pressure.
0: Road America is coming up, and I know that is a track that all the drivers love. What do you like most about Road America? And can you see that as being a track coming off the Detroit double doubleheader that you can get this season going again for you?
4: Definitely. Um, like I said, all these tracks coming up look pretty... Uh, pretty good to me. I mean, I like them all. Uh Road America is uh it's a gr- it's a great event. A very knowledgeable fan event. It's kind of like Mid-Ohio, uh kind of like Laguna. And uh very iconic tracks. So. Uh They're all they're all they all have their challenges and they all have their uh, fun, so
0: You're going to have plenty of time to be in the go-kart beginning after the 4th of July because there's a gap in the schedule. It's there for a reason. It's because of the Tokyo Olympics and NBC is televising that. So how much of that time for the rest of July and even the first week of August are you going to really be active in the go-kart to keep your skills sharp?
4: Uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely go. I actually went out there before this race just for a bit of fun. But um, I'll, uh, I'll probably go out, cut a few laps, um, something I really enjoy. It's obviously a business for me now as well, so, yeah, it's all good stuff. How many drivers do you have? Well, we are just, a, we're selling the carts now, but I am creating a team. I am starting a team, uh, which we hope to debut uh in october at the PKS race in at gopro there in mooresville it'll be a re- we're trying to create a really really big team that's uh you know probably the best in the u.s that's the aim
0: and also have you is the driver that's with force indy one of your drivers or a guy that you've helped out in the past yeah miles Rowe is uh you know someone i, I told roger about when they were creating the
4: force indy thing and i said you know this this guy I've kept an eye on for a long time, a lot of natural ability. And um, he's had a rough go at it because, you know, he's, he's certainly, he's got, the, he's got the ability. He's just got to calm, you know, calm down or, or read situations a little better. And I think he'll be fine. So, yeah.
0: As far as his eagerness and his development, what have you seen him be able to do since the beginning of Force Indy?
4: Well, uh, I, I've, I, you know, he works hard. He's a smart kid. And um, he has the speed. I mean, he had a chance to win at St. Pete and just got in an incident, unfortunately. So I'm hoping, you know, in these next couple of races, he, he, he just, you know, finishes and gets his potential.
0: Looking back at the Indianapolis 500, you predicted that the front two cars would be able to pass themselves back and forth as much as they wanted, but maybe third, fourth, or fifth, it'd be a little more difficult. Having gone back and watched it, did you did that live up to your expectations? Did you see that it was a a better race this year?
4: It was certainly a better race, and you could pass back in the pack as well, because you could run closer. So uh, I think they nailed the downforce perfectly. Actually, uh, it's about about right.
0: Yeah. And also, the winner of the race was a guy that was your teammate for many many years, Elio Castroneves. Considering that is the first Indy 500 he ever dro- drove other than for Team Penske, and they go out there and win it. That's a pretty magical story that even after your troubles of the month, you gotta feel pretty good about what Elio was able to achieve. I, I
4: was, uh, I was, I didn't know who the 06 was. I was watching that pylon, because I was lapsed down. I'm like, I wonder who's battling for the win. Yeah, I could see Paloo up there, and I'm like, who's 06? And I come in, I'm still thinking, who's 06? And I look and it's big Cash and Evers down the pile. I'm like, no way. <laughs> I was pretty
0: happy for him. Do you realize that is the first time in Indianapolis 500 history that a car, beginning with the number O, has won the race? No way.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a pretty epic year for Elio, winning the 24 hour and then coming to the 500 and winning that. Like, man. I'd take that. And did you get a chance to speak with him, and what did you say? I briefly spoke with him, and I can't even remember what I said. I was just like, man, I can't believe it. How good is that?
0: But in a lot of ways, it's going to be cool when he comes back in August after his SRX experience that he's going to be doing in June and July, and then he'll be back uh, beginning at Nashville, street racing Nashville. Oh, he's doing Nashville. Woo. Yeah, to have him around for four or five more races. How important will that be for the series to have the Indy 500 winner out there?
4: Yeah, and I, think, uh, I think it'll be cool and maybe he'll get more races next year. Um, it's pretty cool at his age, he's still in the game. Still in the game, yeah. Like winning races and getting rides and winning with a different team at the 500. Like that's pretty, pretty, good, pretty good deal.
0: Here it is June. Are there enough races left for Will Power to be able to get back into the championship battle, and what will it take?
4: Uh, it's mathematically possible. So, yeah, it's still early days, honestly. Still early days, so who knows? Who knows, man? I'm determined, I'm telling you.
0: Will Power driver of the number 12 Verizon Chevrolet at Team Penske. Good luck the rest of the season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. Another Team Penske driver that needs some help getting back into the championship battle is two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Joseph Newgarden, who remains winless this season as the series heads to Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, for this weekend's Rev Group Grand Prix. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske. Joseph, here we are in June, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. It's always a big race for anybody at Team Penske, but it's got to be a little more important to you because I know you want to kickstart your way back into the championship race. So how do you assess things right now in June?
5: Well, we just got to get back going again. You know, obviously the month of May was not what we all dreamed of. Uh, We would have wanted more. Um, but, you know, we got out of there decently. We, we had a fourth place at the GP, and then obviously the 12th at Indianapolis was not ideal, but could have been more disastrous, I guess, if you look at the, the total grid. Um, so, yeah, we just need to get it back going here. I'm excited about Detroit. I think we have a good street course car. We, we certainly did in St. Pete, so we're going to try and pick up where we left off and, and hopefully get some points this weekend.
0: Were you able to determine, or was the team able to determine what the issues were in the Indianapolis 500? Because nobody really qualified very well, and a lot of guys had to really, it was a deficit that was hard to overcome.
5: Yeah, I think it's two two stories for sure. One was the qualifying, uh, you know, issue for us. We didn't have the performance we wanted. I don't know that I have a great answer for you there. I, th- I know we put a tremendous amount of work in, and I, I'm pretty, you know, pretty proud of our team for for how much effort was in put in in the offseason. Very excited to go to the track, and um, we just didn't have what we needed, you know, obviously. So we have to go back and, and try harder for next year um, and get it right next time around. And then the race itself, I think we had a decent race car and, and uh, it just didn't fall our way. We tried a, we tried a certain uh, route on the strategy and it just, you know, just didn't pan out our way. Um, and Indy, Indy can be like that. Sometimes it falls perfectly for you and sometimes it doesn't. And it didn't fall perfectly for us this year.
0: It was the second Indy 500 in a row where it may have not been up to general Penske standards. I know a lot of work went into it during the off season. So what does the team do now to make sure that you're back in contending form there in 2022?
5: Well, I think we'll do a lot of the same thing we always do. And let's just go back and, you know, try and be a better version of ourselves next time around. Um, we're all going to be, you know, pushing to be better. I, me on the driving front, I'm going to look at everything I can and, um you know, just try and assess everything, see where I can improve, see where, you know, maybe we were doing stuff right and 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 keep that the same, but but any area that we can improve, we gotta we gotta look at it and try and uh, up our game for next year. And, and every one of us, I think, is going to be doing that this offseason.
0: Was the racing better? Was the passing better at in Indy with the new tweaks that they made to the aero package?
5: I definitely thought it was, uh, you know, it was a tight battle amongst everybody. I still haven't watched the race back, but it you know looked like it was a. Uh, you know, very tight field. I, I knew that from being in it. Um, so definitely the, the product, I think, created a closer race, uh, more exciting race. You know, I still think maybe there's, there's some room for improvement, some things we can change around. But yeah, I think the racing was a lot closer this year than, than it was last year.
0: Do you believe Chevrolet closed the gap on the Hondas in terms of uh, speed and fuel mileage? Yeah, I think,
5: that, you know, from Chevrolet, we had a really good package. Uh, we had great power, reliability, and, and certainly fuel mileage. Um, So I was really happy with that. Um, I don't think we were really at a deficit whatsoever in the race. It felt like we had everything we needed to go and execute. It just didn't work out.
0: After Detroit, it's off to Road America. I know that's one of your favorite tracks. You're a former winner there, and it's always been a big track for you. Even going all the way back to the Ed Carpenter racing days, what is it about that track that suits your driving style so well?
5: Um, I don't know. You know, I, I definitely I like everywhere we go, so I, I wouldn't say I have any favorites, but but Road America is fun just because of how, you know, uh, I think how on edge it is, but also it's it's not forgiving. You know, it's really old school. You have no, ru- no runoff there, so if you make a mistake, it's going to hurt pretty big. Um, and I love that. I love that old school style about the track.
0: Not only is it old school, but you really get to stretch your legs out there. There's some high-speed areas, and it's such a classic road racing facility. Is it almost like a driver's dream when you're out there at speed and the car's handling perfectly? It's definitely one of the best tracks in the
5: world. It's one of my favorite tracks in the world. I think everybody loves it just because of the the nature of the the high speed of the track. Um, Super long straights, super fast corners, you know, iconic corners like the... um, you know, like the kink on the back straight. Um, I just, it's, yeah, it's a dream to drive when, when your car's working well, like you said.
0: This year you had three straight races where it's the boss's track. Indianapolis 500, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. I know you want to win all these races. Is your schedule busier, what you have to do away from the track at those races? Well, it's definitely picking up now. You know, Detroit, I would say, is,
5: is one of our busiest races of the year just because of the you know, the commitment to our partners and, and being in their hometown and their home city. Um, you know, we want to execute on all levels. And the, the racing is the fun part of it. Uh, probably the most fun, but, you know, getting to see our partners and, you know, visit the city and everything that's put into it. It's definitely the busiest weekend. So you've got to prioritize your schedule and try and get the most out of your timing. But it's all part of it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a fun track to drive. It's, a, it's such a challenge. So, you know, all the extra work that goes in with all our partnerships here in this specific city is, is all worth it.
0: Do you have to have your shirts starched and your suits pressed? Because you know that the captain and Bud Danker are all going to have you meeting a lot of very important people, mostly with Chevrolet. You know, it's not too bad. Um, Roger's pretty good
5: about, um, you know, he, he likes us to be, I guess, cool nowadays. We have, we have some nice shirts and they're not wrinkled, but they, they, uh, they breathe a little bit more than the starched ones uh, back in the day.
0: There is an extra race floating around out there. It was supposed to be in Toronto, but obviously because of the COVID situation, it's not going to happen for the second year in a row. What would you like to see done with that date? Is there a particular track you'd like to see a double header get created out of it? Or do if that particular race, instead of a 17-race schedule, we might have 16 races?
5: Well, I'm definitely a fan of more races, so you know I don't really have a... I don't know that I have a favor to where, where you slice it in, but, um, yeah, for me, I, I like more races than than less, so 17 for sure. Don't really have a preference where.
0: Is there a summer surge in order for Joseph Newgarden this year? I hope so.
5: That's I've, I've put the order in, so we'll see if the request is, uh, is, uh, is executed or
0: not. Joseph Newgarden, two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion and driver for Team Penske. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Bruce. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Team Penske rookie Scott McLaughlin of New Zealand was the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year this past May. The former superstar driver from the Virgin Australia Supercars series continues to discover the United States as he prepares for his first trip to Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin for this weekend's Rev Group Grand Prix. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Scott McLaughlin, the 2021 Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Now the rest of the season starts. It's going to be mostly street and road course races, which I believe are, you would say are your strengths. How's it going to be this long schedule where you're not going to see another oval until the end of August? Well, it's it's interesting. It's going to be a different
6: um, base for me, but I'm kind of excited, you know. The street tracks are one thing, I've got to learn them pretty quickly, but um, the road courses I probably feel more comfortable on. Um, Bit more runoff, you know, I can sort of push the limits a bit more. So um, yeah, look, I'm I'm excited for what's ahead. I've got some really cool tracks, Detroit, um, Road America, Mid-Ohio. This stretch is gonna be fun and and I feel like we can really uh, put on some good numbers.
0: Speaking of Road America, I was in the row behind you on the flight up to Detroit and I noticed you were watching the NBCSN replay of the Road America race from last year when you watch a race on TV what are some of the things that you learn that you'll try to do when you get in the car at Road America
6: um I think it's just different lines and and what people were doing to save tires and um sometimes necessarily it's also in and out laps and what people were doing and and strategies I sort of I take a keen eye on on the strategies and getting a feel for all that sort of stuff so um you know, I think, uh, yeah, it was it was a good idea, idea for me. I always watch the races from previous years, regardless if I'm in them or not. And, um, you
0: yeah, know, it was a, a good chance for me to learn and, and, and get a feel for it all. But it's not quite the same as when you're in the racing simulator. The simulator is much more precise. So how do you take those two drastically different types of uh, learning processes and put them to use when you're in the car? Uh, look, it's every
6: it's just any sort of knowledge you can get, whether it's video, whether it's driving, whether it's real driving, real footage, it's, it's helpful. And uh, right now, you know, I'll take anything I can get, you know, and, and I'm thankful that they actually raced there last year and they've got a, a semi base setup. Joseph was quite quick there. Um, you know, our team overall was reasonably quick. So for me to go there with a semi base setup is nice, but then you come to a place like Detroit this weekend and, you know, we haven't been here for two years. The boys haven't been here with a windscreen. So sometimes that can work out in my favor as well. So, you know, everyone hasn't really uh, been here with this car um, in this format. So, look, it's swings and roundabouts, but I'll just take on as much as I can and, and learn from it as much as I can.
0: So, you live in Huntersville, North Carolina, and the GM Motorsport Simulator is also in Huntersville. How far are you from? I'm um, five minutes from there. So, I'm always
6: getting called up. If someone doesn't make it, I'm, I'm there. So it's pretty cool. How big of an advantage
0: is that for a rookie to have that facility
6: yeah. right there? Oh, it's, I think for everyone, the whole GM facility is fantastic. And the simulator, simulator that they use is millions and millions of dollars, which is fantastic for us all. Um, But to live not far away and have that freedom of, okay, well, if someone drops out, I can just get as much miles as I can. You know, that's the whole reason I wanted to live in Huntersville and and, and to be honest, in Charlotte, because I was close to the team, I was close to the simulator, um, at least for this first portion. Do I want to live there for the rest of my life? I'm not sure. But, you know, we might look at other places, but, um, you know, right now Huntersville has been a great spot for us.
0: Did your neighbors uh, have anything to say to you after the Indianapolis 500? That's, <laughs> that's NASCAR territory yep. in Huntersville, but yep. did a lot of them know that you're an IndyCar driver yeah, and you get yeah. to be Rookie of the Year at the Indy 500. It was funny, like my barber and, and
6: a few other people that didn't really know what I did have really figured out, oh, okay, well you actually race IndyCar and you race the Indy 500, everyone knows the Indy 500, which is pretty cool and to be a part of a place like that is pretty awesome. And, and uh, I really enjoyed the the month. Didn't go to plan at the end, but I had such an awesome month, a lot of fun, and, and uh, you know it was cool to be a part of something so cool.
0: They always tell a first year driver what to expect at the start of the Indianapolis 500, but is it nowhere near what you expected once the green flag drops and you're back there feeling all that turbulence? Yeah,
6: well, it wasn't as bad as everyone said, <laughs> and that I mean that's been a common thread throughout my whole IndyCar process. It's like a lot of, it's a lot worse. Oh, your neck's gonna kill. It hasn't been too bad because I've trained pretty hard. Or, you know, the the draft is gonna be crazy into one. Well, it wasn't too bad. Like I've figured it it out pretty quickly, but uh, look, every knowledge I've been able to take from other people and the advice has been great, but sometimes people
0: do make it a little bit more excitable than it actually is. When you look at Road America, that is such a classic road racing facility. Does it remind you of any type of track you've ever raced on before in your life?
6: No, and that's why I think I love it so much. It's 100% one of the top three best tracks I've ever driven on. It's uh, up there with Bathurst, and it's just so unique, especially in an IndyCar. To drive one of those things around there requires a bit of commitment, bravery. Um, You've got to be precise. Uh, You know, like I said, accurate. It's... It's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to going there with,
0: you know, 25 other idiots as well. Now, all season long on the uh, Team Penske social media, there's been a, a series, documentary series called Scott Discovers America. So, are you ready to discover bratwurst at Road America? Yeah, I've heard
6: about that. And, yeah, the cheese curds and all that sort of stuff. So, I actually, when I went there for testing, I was in Plymouth. And apparently, they reckon that's the cheese capital of the, of the world. Um, so it was, it was, um, it was, it was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of fans. I've heard there's a lot of people that attend that race, so I'm excited for that.
0: And also, there's a lot of people that camp out and make a four, yeah, yeah, four yeah. or five days up there. You gotta really feel like, in some ways, it's like a summer vacation. It's not a vacation for you, yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like this summer camp feel to it. Yeah, look, to be honest, Bruce,
6: I haven't experienced the full sort of IndyCar fanship yet, you know, and. I got a little bit of a taste at Indy, but I cannot wait. You know, Detroit this weekend, masks are off. People are going to be able to see us smiling. I think stuff's going in the right direction. And, yeah, Road America having that camp feel. And I'm sure I'm going to be here, some party vibes at the track, which is awesome. You know, I'm all for it.
0: And also, you're going to get to experience your first 4th of July in the United States. But for you, it's going to be inside of a race car at the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. So... I guess if you're a race driver, that's probably the best way to celebrate the great American holiday. Exactly. I mean, we don't drink a huge amount. So uh,
6: to, to see everyone having a good time and, and, and celebrating July 4th is cool. And yeah, it's, like you said, it's going to be my first time, but I'm, I'm well aware of it. We've celebrated it in Australia in the past with my wife, uh, who's American. So yeah, I've, I've, uh, I know exactly what it is and I'm excited for what the festivities are.
0: And in our final question for IndyCar Series rookie Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, do you feel a summer surge coming on for you as far as competition and being able to really show the series what you're capable of doing?
6: Yeah, I think uh, we've showed promise, but um, I think I can really put it together now. So I think the um, you know the dot the 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 stars are aligning for me a little bit. I'm I'm really comfortable with the car. It's just a matter of getting a feel for the tracks and. If I can get a feel for the tracks quickly, um, you know we can put a, we, we can go into setup work quicker, and we'll be in a better stead later on the weekend. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable.
0: Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Chevrolet for Team Penske. Good luck the rest of this season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> Dario Franchitti is one of the all-time great drivers in IndyCar history with four NTT IndyCar Series championships and three Indianapolis 500 victories. Franchitti's career ended in 2013, but since then, he has played a key role at Chip Ganassi Racing as he works closely with all four of the team's drivers in the NTT IndyCar Series. I caught up with Franchitti after this past weekend's Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at Belle Isle. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is one of the all-time greats in IndyCar racing history, four-time IndyCar Series champion, Dario Franchitti, three-time Indy 500 winner, Dario Franchitti. Now you're working with Chip Ganassi Racing as a driver coach consultant with all four of the drivers. Pretty good weekend with Marcus Erickson getting his first career victory. And also today, Jimmy Johnson probably had his best race in terms of forward progress in an
7: IndyCar race. How would you sum up the weekend at Detroit? Um, As you say, let's start with the 48. I mean, Jimmy, we told him at the start of the year, Detroit's gonna be like nothing you've ever seen before. Um, and you can't prepare for it. So Friday evening's first practice, he was about five seconds off and we you know, we've Scott, we brought Scott Pruitt on board to work really intensively um, on the 48 so I can work with, with the 48 but also with the other three cars and Scott's also doing strategy for the 48 so that's been a great addition to the, the team but we sat him Jimmy down and we said, look, you know, what, what do we need? And so Jimmy started talking about it. Eric Cowden made some big changes to the setup to allow Jimmy to feel the car. And he was right there yesterday, and he was absolutely right there today. He was as quick as anybody out there is, you know, his, his lap times. If you look at them, he was that, that sort of from the tenth backwards, he was right there on race pace. So that was a fabulous um, weekend. All I think all everybody saw was Jimmy spinning at turn one inside the team. We can see the progress he's made and we're absolutely delighted with that. Probably the most difficult track of the year. Um, Scott um, Scott had a, for Scott an average weekend I mean it just it, it, obviously yesterday he was in such good form and you know he was I think he was looking to with strategy that he was on from starting up front he was going to looking to win the race and of course the yellow comes out at the wrong point and absolutely messes that up but you know a decent points haul but not a typical you know whiz bang Scott weekend unfortunately um, Alex Palau you know Did a a, a great job today. Really struggled with the feeling of the car yesterday. Um, To finish on the podium today, I think he had a car good enough for for the win, got caught out a bit in the restart. But again, from him yesterday to today, massive progress. And then Marcus getting his first win yesterday. That was so cool. He, he deserves that. He has worked his butt off. And um, for him, Brad Goldberg, that whole team uh, on the eight car and, and the Husky Chocolate guys, f- phenomenal. So happy for them.
0: When you think about Marcus Erickson, he's a guy that goes out there, races solid. You don't ever hear any other driver complain about racing with Marcus. Seems to be a very clean driver very respectful has a lot of respect in the paddock and then he finally got his first indycar victory first win of any kind in eight years he had a gp2 victory and when you think about you know he's one of racing's nicest
7: guys for him to be able to achieve this how cool is that no it's cool and it's cool because he deserved it i mean he was there hassling willpower all day um you know and you know, Will and and Marcus, they they the yellow benefited them and got them to the front, and then Will was absolutely hassling. Marcus was hassling Will, and then Will, of course, had the problem. But um, it was uh, it was great to see to see that and to see uh, to see Marcus get that first win because he does work so hard, um, and he's bloody good, and he's just had some some rotten luck. So it's good to see that.
0: Now switching back to Jimmy Johnson, uh, he's a driver that came over here with a lot of attention on him because obviously he's one of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history. Super nice guy, too, but he's come in here with a very methodical process of realizing he's not going to come over here and immediately be successful. It's going to be a struggle, and you think having that attitude is helping him in this
7: process? He's humble. Jimmy never thought he was going to come here and wipe the floor with everybody, regardless of what he achieved in in NASCAR, and as you say, one of the greatest of all time. you know he don't win seven NASCAR championships in, in a field as tight as it is now without being something very 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 special and you know he's been humble about it he works hard again uh, he's got the talent he, we, he was we, we actually just we took some of the information off the dash this weekend and said like, just drive the car you know work with the cartel just go back to your instincts a bit and he did that as well um, and he's Jimmy's an impressive guy. He, as, as Chip says, Jimmy lifts the whole team. And to have a, a, a team, you know, as a guy like Scott Dixon driving for you and have Jimmy come in too and lift it even further, it's um, he's been a phenomenal addition.
0: Now, were you at his test at Road America? I was there. So how did he do? I know he's got some high hopes there, and he really likes the course. And is that the type of rate road course that might suit his driving style because of the very long straights?
7: Well, I think they're all suiting his, his driving style now he's, as, he, as he gets experience. But Road America, you know you, I mean, you know me, Bruce, I love Road America. And I, who doesn't? I think it's one of the classic racing tracks of all time. Um, and he's, he had a great test there. He, he learned a lot. He was right there in terms of pace. Um, so I'm excited for next weekend. And also, new to the uh,
0: team this year is the addition of the American Legion as a sponsor, and they brought a whole new element to Chip Ganassi Racing. Now you get to meet a lot of the former veterans that have fought in the United States in, in wars, members of the American Legion, and discovered some of the things that they're a part of, such as helping out veterans in times of need. What's it like to have
7: them as part of the program? You know. Uh, as you can probably tell from my accent and have known me for a couple of decades, I'm, I'm not from around here, um, but I love the the pride that America takes in their military. And I have done since the first day I showed up here, I just thought, that's cool. And, you know, obviously having the, the American Legion on board, um, a lot of my friends who are veterans are like, wow, that's so cool. You know, and they get, they get behind it and they're like, hey, I'm a Jimmy fan. I'm a Tony fan. I'm an Alex Palou fan now because they're, they're carrying the American Legion colors. So um, it's, that, that, that's been phenomenal.
0: And you also had your little buddy over here, Tony Kanon, driving the American Legion car at the Indy 500. It just seems to be a natural fit. Indianapolis 500, Memorial Day weekend, American Legion.
7: Oh, absolutely. You know the Memorial Day is all about, uh, so all, all about the military, and, and and who doesn't love the pre-race stuff and and, and you know honoring veterans. And yeah, if it doesn't put the stand the hairs up in the back of your neck, I, I don't know what would. And finally, with the addition of Scott Pruitt also
0: working with. Jimmy Johnson and some of the things that you work with on all the drivers. What are
7: the things you focus on? What are the things that Scott focuses on? Well, it's a division of labor really. Scott is is on the stand during the sessions and I jump between all four stands and I couldn't do the strategy on the 48 because again my job's to cover all four cars so Scott was a great fit he's worked with the team before he's so methodical he um and he works hard he gets up as early in the morning as Jimmy so all I can say is I'm glad when I'm at home I'm five hours ahead of one of those guys and I'm eight hours ahead of the other so at least I'll be up slightly before them but those, that, that he's just been phenomenal to to during the session to work with Jimmy as well then we come back and we all circle around and talk about it um and I you know We do some, I do more of maybe the big picture stuff with with Jimmy now, Um, and then look at after the sessions. Scott does it during the session. And we do track walks together, which is quite funny because even at Road America, our first track walk, we got to the second corner, we already had our first disagreement. So that was, that's always good. It's always good to have that healthy debate. And
0: finally, to bring this up, puts it all in perspective, you and I have known each other for 25
7: years now. <laughs> I know, I know. How crazy! That's what I was saying. You've known me a long time. One, one last thing from here in Detroit: it's to see Felix Rosenquist, our old teammate, in one piece and you know, a sense of humor intact and body intact. And yeah, you know, that was that was great because I was absolutely terrified yesterday, and uh, it was horrible to see that, and phenomenal that he's okay and uh, he'll be back soon. That's definitely a win for everybody in the paddock. Thanks, I, can call,
0: I can call you an old friend and I can call you a hero, but. Dario Franchitti, thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Anytime, pal. Scott Pruitt enjoyed a 50-year career in racing that concluded after the 2018 Rolex 24 Daytona IMSA Sports Car Race. Team owner Chip Ganassi has brought Pruitt out of retirement to work as a driver consultant with seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, who is continuing to learn a new form of racing as an NTT IndyCar Series rookie. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Scott Pruitt, one of the great drivers ever in IMSA history who's now serving as a driver consultant at Chip Ganassi Racing's IndyCar team, where today you worked with Jimmy Johnson. He had his best finish of the season, started 25th, finished 21st. And and this included a a spin that he had late in the race. He was still able to keep the car
8: fired and keep on going. What did you see over the weekend in terms of his development? It was awesome. One, it's great to uh, be back here at Ganassi. And it was quite an honor getting a call from Mike and Chip and, and talking to Jimmy about being part of this program. Uh, that's the only reason I'm here because of those guys, because uh, I retired a few years ago. I got other things going on with the winery and, and vineyards and Lexus, but uh, getting this opportunity to work together. And when I saw, um, when we got on the track on on Friday, Jimmy was struggling, this is, a, this is a tough track. It's a big ask to bring a guy here first time, especially coming out of NASCAR. Uh, we made a lot of changes uh, overnight um, got a solid, uh, a solid qualifying in Saturday morning and he did a great job yesterday. We ended up having a throttle issue, but he was racy. He was passing guys. Uh, he was running 17th when he had a problem yesterday and the same thing today. I mean, he was running, running top 20, making passes. Uh, his lap time was, was excellent. Uh, unfortunately had a big slide going into one, uh, didn't hit anything, continued on, uh, to have a solid finish, but I think this is a big turnaround For Jimmy, and I'm excited to be a part. Do you think
0: this was also uh, a case where back-to-back races and a doubleheader, that he was able to take some of the stuff that he learned yesterday and apply it today,
8: 24 hours later? Without a doubt. You know, we were talking about that when I went from IndyCar to Cup. The first time around, I went to a track I didn't like. The second time around, because typically in Cup, you do two events uh, at the same track per year, and the second time I went back, it was always easier. So... Uh, as much as it's a stress on, on all the Ganassi boys, in fact, all the teams here doing, doing double headers, uh, at that same moment from Jimmy's standpoint, having everything he learned from yesterday, pulling it forward today, talking about setup, talking about strategy, talking about how we're going to run a race, talk about how we're going to do tires, uh, even push to pass, all those things that are new for Jimmy, I think was uh, a great opportunity for him to learn a lot back to back so we could do different things at uh, both those races you were talking about being retired working
0: for the winery but yet a former race driver compiles so much knowledge and experience throughout his career now you get to impart that wisdom with another driver how satisfying is that
8: it's been great now you got to remember my last 15 20 years of racing i had teammates and and those teammates i brought along and And helped do the same thing whether you're going to daytona and have a bunch of guys with us or whether it was a season having one guy with me so uh being at and having that opportunity to teach guys and 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 help give them knowledge of you know because i have been around a long time and 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 you know good lord blessed me with this incredible career that that went farther than i could have imagined uh giving some of that back now is awesome um jimmy's been great to work with He's been wide open and wanting to learn everything that, that we as a team can, can bring him, uh, that I can bring him as a driver being to uh, Detroit multiple times, let alone a lot of these other tracks. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, next stop is Road America, and that's and a totally different place than Detroit. He tested there last week.
0: He seems pretty excited what he learned in the test. I don't know whether you were part of the test or not, but what are some of the hopes of seeing him to be able to continue his forward progress at Road America, which might suit his driving style a little bit better because of its long straightaways.
8: Well, I think there's a, f- a few things. One, he had the opportunity to go and test, uh, which that in itself was huge, and have a successful test. So what he did, how he did it, the lap times he ran, uh, he ran strong, uh, he ran smart, came away from it knowing, hey, I got this area and this area and this area, of this turn four, five, whatever, uh, where he can make improvements. And then he can just build on that. I think coming away from Detroit uh, and his, I think his his own confidence has stepped up significantly, which deservingly so. And I think we just keep building on that. But when you talk about that track, uh, it's so different than, than Detroit, where it's fast, it's flowing. And if you think of those places you might go where it might fit into Jimmy's style, I think... Uh, If there is a track like that uh, coming up on Road America, that's going to fit into that category.
0: Now, you had a race-winning career in kart, and back then, it was a really competitive series. But how do you compare that with today's series where, I mean, there doesn't seem to be hardly any weak links in this uh, driver lineup. You know, it's like I was going to say, even back in your day, there was a king hero here and there. But... You know, here it just seems like any of these drivers can put out a really good battle at any given race. So, how do you compare the the depth of the field that we see now?
8: It's been it's been great to see. Now, understanding, I haven't been around a racetrack much at all since 2018, after Daytona when I retired. Uh, I do keep track of NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, obviously with my Lexus connection, uh, especially on the IMSA side. I'm excited to see all these young drivers. I mean, when it's, it, I think we've gone through a stage where you weren't seeing as much young talent. Uh, and now you're seeing an incredible amount of really gifted guys. I mean, some extreme talent and some good guys to be around. When you talk about award, you talk about a Paloo, you talk about, um, you know, uh, Marcus Erickson, uh, won the race yesterday, a lot of great talent. And, and with that great talent, uh, and youth comes, comes a lot of, uh, Uh, exuberance and and excitement and and getting that opportunity for the fans to see some great wheel-to-wheel. I mean, literally today, I mean, they were bouncing and and I saw a lot of tire smoke and sparks and stuff coming. Well, guys just grinding on each other, putting on one heck heck of a show.
0: The other thing about Jimmy Johnson is he knew coming in here as a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion that it was gonna be a difficult learning curve. He wasn't over here to immediately challenge for a championship or immediately win races. How much do you think that expectation level has really kind of helped him in this slow process that it's going to take for him to, to become a driver who eventually, maybe by the end of the year, will be able to compete and contend for some very good finishes?
8: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think no one, you know, I think it's great that I made that transition from IndyCar to NASCAR. So, uh, certainly not at the level of winning seven championships like Jimmy. But you don't buy, win salmon championships without being a really smart driver. And with that being said, what he understands, and and you know, from a car standpoint, from a racing standpoint, uh, and and just from the reality of expectation, uh, all those things together, we know we want to just we got to build our foundation before we can you know build the floor. And when we can build the floor, we can start building the walls. And and that's where we're at now, just continuing to build that foundation. What we saw today, I think, was probably one of his best race, races to date, both yesterday and today, and we'll just keep going when we head to Elkhart Lake here in a few days.
0: And in our final couple of questions with Scott Pruitt at Chip Ganassi Racing, when you think about it, we have one of the all-time great IMSA drivers in history working with a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion in an IndyCar effort. I mean, it's you've got the whole triangle covered there. It's, when you think about that, that kind of shows what a
8: tight-knit community there is in racing. You know, I spent the majority of my career, 13, 14 years with Chip, a lot of races, a lot of championships. I think I have 12 championships total, Jimmy's championship seven. So we got almost 20 championships between us in multiple different things. So, um... You know, I am, uh, like I said, I'm honored to be here, was honored to get the call. Uh, I got my rookie stripes off this weekend. This is the first race I've ever called, so uh, we'll keep building on that on my side as we move forward. When I think about Jimmy in the car, I think about those things that I want to hear. Sitting on the back of the stand with, with teammates on the IMSA side, we did talk about strategy. We did talk about pit stops. We did talk about how the car is and, and so on. So pulling all those years of experience from, from my IMSA years, uh, I think also has been a, a big a big help.
0: And also, in addition to yourself working with Jimmy Johnson, the great Dario Franchitti also works with him. So what are the things that you focus on and what are the things that Dario focuses on?
8: Well, you got to remember we have four, four drivers here. So... Uh, I think Dario's time was getting stretched pretty thin. Also, where Jimmy is at on the rookie side is different than the other three drivers. Uh, so it's going to take some, uh, some different view, some different effort. Uh, and, one, and somebody, I think, can, like I'm doing, can work with him full time and be focused on him. Dario's looking at things a little bit uh, uh, further out, um, sitting down with him and, and looking at some you know, onboard cameras and looking at, at the other driver's data. Uh, But most specifically, uh, being able to work with Jimmy one-on-one, I think, is just going to be add some good results. Scott Pruitt, Chip Ganassi Racing, congratulations, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Bruce.
0: Our final guest is four-time Champ Car Series champion Sebastian Bourdais, who discusses his season so far with A.J. Foyt Racing. (laughs) Joining us now at a very noisy Detroit Grand Prix, it's Sebastian Bourdais of AJ Foyt Racing. Sebastian, it's been a little bit of a challenging year for you. I know there were a lot of high hopes entering the season. How do you see things standing here as we enter the summer stretch of the season? Yeah, I mean, I
9: think, obviously, we we had a, a decent start. We didn't quite piece a uh, full weekend together uh, yet at a... Not so great qualifying, a great race at Barber, and uh, a really good qualifying at St. Pete and not a great race at all. So then after that, uh, a bit of a dismal weekend at Texas. Uh, not, not, not nothing of our fault, but uh, just obviously, uh, getting tagged twice, uh, once in a pretty decent position, actually, so that's a shame. But uh, yeah, and we still have some work to do at Indy Road Course, we know that. We thought we had uh, found some fixes, but it wasn't good enough. And then the 500, this is 500, you know, we uh, didn't have a, a quite a good enough effort in qualifying and started at the back. But if you look back, you know, is kind of fighting with Sage and Ed for quite a few laps or a couple stints. And both of those guys finishing in the top 10. I think if, you know, we, we went for one strategy, which was saving fuel and uh, turned out to be the wrong one. But yeah, I mean, if... Uh, if you knew what you needed to do at the 500, you'd win it every year. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think now we get here at Detroit, and we're just going to hit the big reset button, and uh, hopefully our street course stuff works pretty well here.
0: Well, speaking of reset button, after Detroit comes Road America. I know that's a favorite track of yours. And then a couple of weeks after that will be mid-Ohio, another... Naturally, natural terrain road course, and there's going to be a long stretch because of the Olympics. Uh, you won't meet up again until August. So, how important is this stretch of Road America and Mid Ohio going to be to hit the reset button? Yeah, I mean,
9: there's no doubt. Obviously, we uh, we need to uh, do the best we can both here at the doubleheader and uh, and yeah, for the for uh, Road America and, and Mid Ohio. It's uh, it's a big chunk of the season. It's four races. And uh, it's places that have done well at before, so we're just going to give it our best shot and hopefully uh, we got some,
0: uh, some strong points at the end of that. AJ Foyt, Larry Foyt, Scott Harner have invested a lot of effort and time to build the program back to prominence. Does it get especially frustrating when you know how much time and effort they've put in? to kind of have some of the issues and problems that have happened this season in the races. Yeah, I
9: mean, whatever the reason, you know, when you, there's no good or whatever excuses, you know, in racing, nobody cares. <laughs> it's all about results. And uh, and yeah, we just want to put a, a smile on, uh, on AJ's face. And the only way you're going to do that, if you if you deliver and put, put you know, results on the board. So hopefully we can uh, do that on a more consistent basis. and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited and, uh, for what's laying ahead, and, and hopefully we can get it done. Because I feel like, like you said, a lot of people have put a lot of effort and, and, uh, and energy into it, and uh, including myself. And, uh, and I feel like we're
0: due for, for some good results. There's been a lot of debate and focus this year on the young drivers that are entering the series. You used to be one of the young drivers. Now you're one of the savvy veterans. How do you see that delineation shaping up between the really great drivers that, have, that are veterans and have experience and this whole group of young drivers that are really fierce and fearless and and you know are really pushing the envelope to a degree yeah, I mean I think to be honest, I think we're all pushing the envelope very hard you know we're all in the same cars
9: and we all you know in the same field and uh, everybody wants a result and um, at the end of the day it's just the, the level of competition right now is super high you have 24 cars and sometimes more than that and uh and everybody's operating at a very high level and and yeah pushing 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 and unfortunately the gaps have come to you know surprisingly small margins and between a really good weekend and not such a great weekend meaning like 15th 20th you you kind of have a half a second these days and uh, a half a second in those cars isn't very much at all so you just have to execute and uh and
0: be a little lucky sometimes and in our final question with four time champ car series champion sebastian Bourdais: what's it like when aj's at the track especially at indy where say your car is getting turned over you're going to go back out for practice a few hours later in the day and you can just sit around and listen to him tell stories what is that like for you to hear some of his tales. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's a great
9: character. He's uh, obviously, he's been around for a long time and uh, he's also a very big supporter. And, you know, I think at Indy it was, uh, he, he could see that we didn't necessarily have the fastest things out there. And uh, his, his level of trust, confidence, and support was was very inspiring. I felt like, you know, it was we knew it was gonna be maybe a bit of a challenging weekend, but, Everybody kept his head down and, uh, and he was just there every step of the way, not bitching or complaining, you know, that nobody was doing the job or whatever. We're just like, you know, just being there, trying to get the best out of the system. And, and that was refreshing. And obviously, when you get some time
0: to discuss with him, it's always, uh, it's always quite entertaining. He's always been a real pro and he's a real champion. Four-time Champ Car Series champion, Sebastian Bourdais of AJ Foyt Racing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. Along with loyal listeners like you, they help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin. one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500 this has been a production of evergreen podcast a special thanks to our production team executive producers are bridget Coyne and gerardo orlando recordings and edits were done by me bruce martin and final mixing was done by dave douglas learn more at evergreenpodcast.com until next time be sure to keep it out of the wall The Hammerdown Racing
8: Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.